This sermon was recorded Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Pastor Bobby Wood looks at the image of the potter and the clay in Jeremiah 18 to remind us that God offers true hope and the ability to repair the broken. I want to invite you, you all go ahead and take your time, find your Bible with you and follow along in Jeremiah chapter 18. I'll give you a minute there because it's not that we're in Jeremiah a lot, but I love this guy. He's a pastor's pastor. He's a friend to and a, a, just a, I don't know, he's like a Job and his life, his ministry, um, so much he faced and went through. He, it's like he lived in the valley. And it's like he lived in the furnace. And he was just such a beautiful figure, Jeremiah was. And uh, this is a great day in his life. Something happened that I want to share with you today. And so if you're in Jeremiah chapter 18, which is the turning point for the whole book, uh, as you'll see, God instructs Jeremiah at this point, and what he sees and what he hears and what he experiences is life-changing. And it, it's, as I said, it's the turning point for the book of Jeremiah itself. Hopefully, it can be a turning point for you today. Because maybe God will speak to your heart. It's something that you need to hear today. A change, change your attitude, change your thinker, change your whatever. I don't know what God, whatever he wants to do. But let me read in Jeremiah chapter 18. The word of the Lord, which came, uh, or excuse me, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, now that word behold in your Bible is a word of wonder. It's an attention word. It means, look, something fantastic is about to happen. Um, if I could translate it in modern terms, I would put, wow, W-O-W. He's like, wow, look what happens. Uh, behold, the potter wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And that word marred is a strong word. It means destroyed, ruined, um, spoiled, pretty much useless. And so this vessel of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, there's another word, behold again. God says, behold and wonder, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. And brothers and sisters, that goes for me and you right there. And I mean, we are in the hands of God. And you can be, uh, there's two ways uh, to look at that, justice and mercy, um, heaven or hell. Um, 
forgiveness and grace, being in, in the Father's hand, being saved, having your faith in Christ, and being secure. Uh, as John 10, Jesus said, the children of God are in my Father's hands and no man can pluck them away. Or you can be in God's hand as for justice and retribution. And so what God is saying, God is saying, I'm sovereign. I'm the potter, you're the clay. I have power over you. And a lot of people don't like that. There's a lot of people that don't like the fact that God is in control. He can do whatever He wants with whoever He wants, whenever He wants. But I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, friends. And so uh, I love that fact myself. I find tremendous joy and security in knowing that God is in control today. Amen? Amen. So, I want to begin our lesson today, our message, with some objects. I don't know if these are viewable on the phone, but I'm going to hold them up. When Daphne and I went to Israel, various places, I bought this little lamp in Jerusalem. It's a little oil lamp. It's got the little wick. You put your oil in here, and it's the little lamp. Remember the parable of the, the ten virgins? Five, they had their lamps, five had oil and five did not. And that's such a neat little piece right there. It just It's made out of clay, but it's a pretty little valuable piece. I got another one. I got this uh, clay vessel with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it got a little thing inside. Well, I can't get it out. But it's a little scroll like the they found in the 60s, of, uh, 1960s. And it's a beautiful little clay vessel with a top. Isn't it just cute as a button? You got that at the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so you can put stuff in there and pens. But as cute as those are, here's the one I want to talk about today. Now look at that. <laughs> Nothing pretty about that, is it? It's just an old piece of clay. I found this. We went to a hill uh, over in Israel. There was a mountain that they showed us where Saul, King Saul, and then were, were hung by the Philistines. And so we ran to the top of that mountain, and as I was coming down, I found this old piece of clay, and it's sticking out of the ground, and I just kept it. it it's useless. It's marred. It has no purpose. And one thing about it is, it's missing a lot of pieces. It's just shattered. And you know what? When I look at this little lamp and it's just cute as a button and useful and this little treasure vessel, this is the piece that God chose in our text. It's the useless, barred, broken, shattered piece of clay that means nothing to nobody except to God. I want to remind you today that God loves to work with broken things. <laughs> Vance Hagner, that great old-time Baptist preacher, he said God used broken clouds to give us rain, broken soil to give us crops, broken grain to give us bread, and broken bread to give us strength. He reminds us that the lady that had the broken alabaster box full of perfume that massaged the feet of the Lord Jesus, and he reminds us that God uses broken things. 
And you know what I want to tell you? That's who I'm talking to today. Because when I look at Jeremiah, he was known as the weeping prophet. He was a broken man. His heart stayed broke. And I want to tell you, uh, as a pastor and, and your people fail, it breaks your heart. There are so many broken-hearted mothers right now. There are broken-hearted fathers and parents. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He was a man of tears and anguish. His heart broke over his nation. And you know what? We can be like, we can be like some of these idiots today and get angry with everybody. Or we can have some anguish and some tears for those we love. There, there is somebody out there today right now whose heart is literally crushed. And I want to tell you something. It's not a fun place to be. But at the same time, that this is, these, these are the people God is after. If, if you've never messed up, if you've never sinned, but everybody around you has messed up and sinned in life, but you've never failed and you've been Mr. and Mrs. Perfect, I have nothing to say to you. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll remind us all, God didn't come to save good people. He came to save sinners. He came to save people who have messed up. He came to give a second chance to failures. And so that's who I'm talking to today. That's, that's who God has a word for today. Because may, maybe your home is broken and your heart is broken and, and everything around you is falling apart. That's exactly how it was in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah saw two things. He saw ruin on earth. He saw men ruining their lives. He saw his nation going to ruins. And he saw retribution. Because Jeremiah had received a word from God. And the word from God was not pretty. Jeremiah saw King Nebuchadnezzar coming from Babylon, destroying Jerusalem, taking men, women, children captive. And, hey, and eventually he did. He came and he wiped out Jerusalem and took captive in, into Babylon. It's a horrible time, a horrible situation. And Jeremiah had to preach this, and they hated him. They threw him in pits. They, they mocked him. They hated this man of God, and all he was doing was being a spokesman for the Lord. Now, you can see why his heart was broken, because his world was falling apart. You know, I read one time where Thomas Jefferson, whom we're all aware of, he started the University of Virginia. And he just felt like he wanted to do this for students. And he just had this, this assumption that students wanted to learn and grow and, and get a college degree. And they just wanted to be studious. But there was one thing he forgot to calculate. You see, he made discipline very lax because he felt like students would have a passion for learning. But he learned that students have human natures. And one day, uh, a riot, this is, a, this is way back, folks, a riot broke out in the University of Virginia when a bunch of students rebelled and just went mean and crazy like we see in our streets in many of our cities today. 
when they got everything under control and they got all the students in one place, they really didn't know who the rebels were. And they said Thomas Jefferson came before the students and he said these words. This is the most painful day of my life. And they said this great founding father burst into tears. And after that moment, writers began to step forward and give their apologies and their names. And they said one of the writers said it wasn't Mr. Jefferson's words, but it was his tears. And you know what, friends, maybe today is a painful day in your life. I don't know what you're going through or facing out there, but it's a painful day in our nation. People are losing their jobs, and I'm not going to get into all that stuff because it's just the way it is. And as Jefferson, it was the most painful day in our life. And some of you out there, you have been through gut-wrenching moments, painful days. But I want to tell you, friends, I want to remind you today that there was a man called Jesus who wept. And he wept for us. He wept for Jerusalem. He, he wept on an old rugged cross. And I thank my God in heaven that there is a not just a Jeremiah, but Jesus out there who loves and cares about us and who has the power to make a difference in our life. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful one day on the other side, I'm going to meet aunts and uncles and pastors and people who cried for my salvation and who wept for me. Those that sow in tears will reap in joy. I feel sorry for you if you can't cry. I feel sorry for that person whose tear ducts are so dried up so full of dust, so full of dirt that there's no tears. We, let me tell you, when we get to that place in our life when we get so mad and so callous and so frustrated because people have mistreated us that we can't weep and we can't cry, my dear friends, we have lost something. A.W. Tozer, that great man of God, he, he wrote a chapter in one of his books titled, I can't remember the title, but it's it's the it has tears within it, and he said God only talks to the man who cries and cares, and you know that is so so true. Now, so covering Jeremiah, he's at this place. Now, come on, stay with me. Jeremiah's at this place where it's about as low as he can get. He sees his people ruining themselves, and he sees retribution from heaven. But then God's going to turn everything around. Did you hear me? God is about to turn everything around. Oh, they're going to go on to Babylon. Okay, they're going to go on to Babylon. The, the discipline has to come. But at the same time, God is about to turn things around in the heart and mind for Jeremiah. And by the way, let me say something. The trip to Babylon only lasts 70 years. And the trip to Babylon is not God destroying his people, but God remaking his people. Man, that is so hard to understand. When you're looking at the fire, 
You're looking at Babylon. You're looking at the enemy. You're going to say, just as you're looking at maybe a situation now, you said, Lord, how can this be good for me? It's killing me. It's killing me. How can this be good for me? Oh, I want to tell you, that's why God is God. That's why grace is amazing. You see, it's because God can take the furnace and use it to purify us and make us more pure as pure gold. It's God. Friends, don't forget God. Don't get God out of the equation. He's the difference maker. And that's who we're talking about. This is not, I'm not into self-help stuff. I'm not into motivational speaking. I'm not in how to pray and improve your golf game. Who cares about that crazy stuff? All I know is that what we face today is there's a God that's bigger than that. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. John 16, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. In this world, you're going to have troubles and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. And friend, that's the message of hope we have. It's not a better religion. It's not a different denomination. It's not a new way. It's an old way and a new way. His name is Jesus. And I want to tell you, I just love him today. He's our true Jeremiah. Now, I want to give you a quick outline. I'm going to put some flesh on these bones. This is the heart of our message, okay? Jeremiah, three things I want you to remember that changed his life, changed everything, and turned it around. Number one, he heard a word. Number two, he saw a work. And number three, he experienced a wonder. Okay? Are you with me? Now, let's go to verse one. And there's a simple statement, but a powerful statement. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Now, that may sound like a simple, just, okay, God spoke to Jeremiah. Oh my goodness, listen to me. There is something so unique, so dynamic, so powerful that I cannot express in words what it means for God to speak to you personally. The Almighty, the heaven of heavens, cannot contain Him. He's eternal and more invisible, invincible, wise God forever and ever, and He would personally talk to me? Oh my goodness, it's life-changing. You know what you need before you need anything else? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling, but I'm going to tell you what you and me both need more than anything else today, ASAP, we need to personally hear from God. And I'm not talking about you hearing from me. I hope I have a word from the Lord and I'm a little mouthpiece this morning. But you need to get along and you need to hear God speak to your spirit and speak to your heart. It is so liberating. In Genesis 1-1, the Bible opens up, God said, and something happened. There was life, light, trees, and everything that God said and saw, it was good. That's the power of God 
speaking to you personally. You need to hear from the Lord. I'm going to ask you, come on, I'm not trying, I'm just challenging you. When's the last time God spoke to your heart? I'm serious. I'm serious. When's the last time you heard from the Lord? Not through a preacher, not through a friend, not through a parent, but just you and the Lord. Psalm 107, God sent his word and healed them. There's so much power when God speaks to your heart. I remember when I was a 13-year-old boy, 13 years old, Heard preaching all my life, gospel singing, heard it all, heard people praying, testifying, heard it all. People talk to me about my soul, heard it all. 13 years old, God spoke to my heart. I didn't, it was no audible voice, but He spoke to my heart. You know what? And I knew, I knew it was the Lord. I don't know how I knew. I just knew God spoke to me and He revealed to me at 13 years old that I was lost, that I was a sinner, that I wasn't a, that good little church boy, that I was a sinner and I needed to be saved. I had reached the age of accountability. Let me tell you something, young man, young girl, you're out there somewhere someday and you'll know it inside when the Lord speaks to you. You're going to know it. In the Old Testament, remember that little boy, little boy called Samuel? He's just a little boy, and he was staying with Eli. And Samuel laid down at night, and a voice said, Samuel. Samuel, little Samuel, run to Eli, and he said, did you call for me? He said, no. Laid back down, Samuel. And he ran to Eli again. Eli, did you yell for me? No. Eli finally recognized that it was the Lord. Speaking to his heart. And little Samuel come with this reply. So beautiful, so classic. The Lord spoke and Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Oh, glory to God. I remember when God called my name to be saved. I remember when the Lord spoke to me to preach his gospel. But friend, not just the big events. How many times that you've been in the hurt of hurts and the pain of pains and God has whispered peace to your heart. He has spoken to your spirit. Man, I get so excited about this, friend. You're out there. You need to hear from the Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. Okay, I'm going to read a verse here that just come to my mind. and you can, you can find it in the previous chapter, 17. Let me find it. Verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that put all of his trust in man and makes flesh his arm who's departed from the Lord. Friend, you listen to me this morning. Okay, I'm going to say something right now. The tragedy of modern day Christianity is this. We have become so dependent on other people that we don't even hear from the Lord anymore. We want the preacher. We want to hear from the preacher or the pastor or priest, whoever, wherever you're at. Okay? We're so human dependent. Preachers, you know what? 
some of you preachers out there, would you do me a favor and throw your notes in the garbage and get on your knees and get a word from God for the people? Hey, expository preaching is great. You're preaching through a book, hallelujah. But sometimes, I mean, God forbid if God broke into your preaching agenda. People need a word from the Lord. I've been preaching for over 30 years and I don't even want sermons anymore. I just want a word from God. Proverbs says a word fitly spoken is like an apples of gold and pictures of silver. And so have you. You know, you want to hear a TV preacher fine and videos? I'm not bashing these things. I'm saying is we're, we become so dependent on humanity that there's no place for us to just hear from the Lord. You don't think you, somebody out there has hurt you so bad you can't stand it. You don't think life can be lived without them. You've become so trustworthy in the arm of flesh that it's sad. People don't even think. They let news media do their thinking. I talk to a lot of people who are just an echo of some news media. I want to tell you something, friend. It would do us all good to just get away from this world and be still and know that God is God. And to hear from the Lord. Amen. Let me give you a Bible example. <clears throat> I love what in Galatians chapter 1 when Paul the Apostle, he was a murderer, a blasphemer. He was on the road to Damascus to have other Christians killed. Jesus knocked him off his horse and blinded him. Saved him. Changed him inside. You know what Paul said? Paul said, for the first three years of my Christian life, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I went along and said, God, why did you do this miracle in my life? And then he came back to us with 13 books of the New Testament. Do you remember that day when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do, you, who do men say that I am? And some say you're Jeremiah, Elijah, and da-da-da-da-da. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who was usually sticking his foot in his mouth, <clears throat> said one of the greatest things a man could say. He said, he looked at Jesus and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You know what Jesus said? <clears throat> he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not tell you that. My Father in heaven revealed that to your mind and your heart. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I'm going to ask you a question. What is your life without other flesh and blood? What is life for you? Have you become so dependent on flesh and blood that you get everything in your life, all your happiness, all your joy, all your knowledge, all your belief system comes from somebody else? Well, I want to tell you something about true Bible Christianity, especially salvation. Let me tell you, salvation is not some preacher having you to sign a card or shake a hand. It is not some who told you you were saved. Did some crazy, arrogant preacher who played the part of God pull you off into some side room and take you through this ritual and tell you you were saved? Let me tell you something, friend. You need something that flesh and blood ain't revealed to you, but you heard from heaven. And not only, I'm going to tell you, that's salvation. The Holy, Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. I want to tell you, friends, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this. Who told you you were saved? 
and, and watch out for these voices. And my word to, to Jeremiah, the first part of my outline this morning is you need to hear from God. And I want to tell you, it will change your life forever. Number two, Jeremiah saw a work. <clears throat> now, he said in verse three, I went down to the potter's house and wow, I saw this work on the wheels. But it wasn't a normal work. It transformed Jeremiah's thinking, increased his faith to the 10th power. He said, what's the big deal, Brother Bobby? He went down to Potter's house and he saw clay. No. He saw. Let's put it this way. Okay, let's put it this way. So you're going to go down to Potter's house, and when you go in, you're going to see a pile of clay over here. This is normal. And in this pile of clay over here is junk. Broken clay, messed up clay, projects that didn't work. There's a pile of clay over here. And sooner or later, this is going to be scooped up, thrown on a wagon, taken to the Valley of Hinnom, which is a, 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 a type of hell in Jerusalem. It was a place, it was a garbage dump. Stuff was burned. And so over here's a pile of useless ruined clay. You would have seen that. And then, but notice in our text, come, come on, this, this marred clay was not over here in the pile. It was in the potter's hand. Not only was it in his hand, he was going to make it again. Mm. What's he going to do with it? Throw it away, which he has every right to. I should throw this thing away. It's useless to me. But the potter made it again. That's, that, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's amazing grace. In God's sovereignty, he could, he could put everybody in hell and be just. Because we've all sinned. We've all, we're all marred. But in His grace, He picks us out of marred clay and takes our failures in broken pieces and miraculously, that's the wow of our text. That's the wow because God says, Jeremiah, you're, your people, my people, your family, your cousins, they're going to Babylon. But then he says, Jeremiah, I'm going to use that moment and I'm going to remake them. And it's going to be even better. When God remade Job, he was doubly blessed. Can I say something this morning? I want to say something right here. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I have to be honest with you. And I hope some churches out there hear it loud and clear, and I'm fixing to offend a lot of people right now. Back when I started ministry, there were certain types of people that we as pastors and churches threw into the pile of uselessness. 
If you were divorced, in the eyes of most churches, you were finished. No recovery. You could never be used again in, in a capacity in the church that was worthy or useful. And I want to tell you, some of our, and I'm not going to get into it, but our false interpretation, wrong view of Scripture, added to that traditions and folk sayings of people, of our grandfathers, we all took divorced people and we threw them over here in this pile. Forgetting the fact that the potter can take a divorced life and remake it and use it again. And we have suffered in our churches tremendously. We don't even, we've, we've lost good men who have failed. And we've told them, not by the authority of Scripture, but by the authority of Granddaddy said it or some church bylaw said it. Church people look at drug addicts as so marred that God couldn't take their life and turn them around and use them for His glory again. You know what? We're pathetic. We preach grace. We sing grace. But we don't practice grace. Grace means I love that person, not based on what they've been or how bad they've been, but grace means I love them just because love is love and God is love. You know why Gandhi said he would never become a Christian? He said Christians are the only people he knows that kill their wounded. Why? Useless. Unless God takes over. Brothers and sisters, I'm sorry. I'm not making no apologies. I've been in church since the day I was breathing. I've been pastoring since 1988. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, we have messed up so many times because we have failed to go down to the potter's house and watch God take a broken, messed up life and make it again. And we're so caught up on our stupid stuff, we think, oh, just because that person don't fit our capacity or fit our thinking of what they should be, oh my goodness, God forbid, you know, they don't go to our denomination, they just couldn't be fit for heaven, and all this stupid stuff, I don't care about denominations, it's man-made. I had a man that looked at me and said, there are several folks that want you to preach a revival at our church. I was at New Liberty Baptist Church Revival, and this guy came, and he stood there after service outside, and he said, there's several people in our church that want you to come preach revival, but some of them's heard that you preach a revival in the Methodist church, so I said, you know what I told him? I said, I don't want to come to your church and preach a revival. I don't want to come and be with people who have the narrow, bigoted attitude of that. That is so ridiculous. God said in His Word, Whosoever. Red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor. Okay, I'm getting preaching this morning. 
because I'm so fed up. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I was one of those guys. I was one of those narrow-minded, ridiculous preachers. But God took me to the potter's house years ago. And He showed me people. He put people in my life. There's, there's a man and woman right now. And I wouldn't dare call their name. But they went through horrible situations in their life and in their marriages. And it was ugly. But I saw them rededicate their lives and they become so useful. So they bless me so much and I love them so much. I would love to call out their names right now, but I'm not going to do it. But God taught me. And friend, I want to tell you right now, that's what you need to see. You're looking at that person that you love with all of your heart and you are in tears constantly because you see ruin and marred clay. But I'm here to tell you today, go down to the Father's house, get along with God, and watch Him work. God can take the dark and make it light, the broken and put it together. Look at His Word. Look at the broken lives from Genesis to Revelation that God took that was messed up and useless and turned it around for His glory and for His honor. Hallelujah. Oswald Chambers said, God doesn't show us other people's sins so that we can gossip about them, but God lets us see the sins of others so that we can intercede for them. Wow. Well, I got to close with this last one. See, by hearing the word of the Lord and seeing the work of God, Jeremiah experienced a wonder. That's why he keeps writing, wow, wow, wow. He only saw ruin and retribution. And now he sees renewal, reviving. Because God says, Jeremiah, I can take my nation, my people, individuals, and I can put them back on my wheel and make it again. You know what, friends? I love this word from Jeremiah. I love it. And it just, I know, I know what God can do. Don't you count him out today. And I want to close and listen to me as I close. I'm just dust. I'm, I'm just a vessel. I'm a clay vessel. I'm a jar of clay. That's all I am. But I want to tell you today, you listen to me. You listen to me carefully. I just feel that I'm speaking to a young person out there. And I don't know who you are, young man, young girl. And the Lord, through His Spirit, will speak to your mind and your heart that you're lost. That Jesus died for you. And when you hear His voice, you're going to hear it right here. It's going to be like a tug on your heart. Now you listen carefully. Listen to me carefully. Because I'm going to tell you something. Okay, write this down. I was a Sunday school kid, a church kid. But when the Lord first spoke to my heart and I knew I was lost, it scared me and it'll scare you. Because God doesn't come. He comes in this way. He puts his arm around you in love. But at the same time, 
He makes you aware that you're headed for hell. But he says in his love, I didn't create hell for you. It's not my will that any should perish. And God in his grace lets me know I'm a sinner. And it's like, come on, get this image. I'm getting this image in my mind of God, the Father, putting his arm around me and whispering to my ear that I'm lost. And with his other arm, he points my eyes to a cross and says, I've remedied that for you, young man. I sent my son to die for you. Would you trust him? Hallelujah. 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 If God can tell me I'm lost, he can tell me I'm saved, and he did just that. But then I want to say, and you know, there's a young lady out there, and you know, and I'm not going to mention your name, but I've done get sent word to you that this word was for you. And right now, like Thomas Jefferson, this is the most painful day of your life. And it's the most terrific time, and you got brokenness. You can't even see tomorrow. And God has sent me as your brother in the Lord to remind you He can take your life, and He can make it again. And I love you, church, and I love you, brothers and sisters, and you friends out there, and you just keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your sovereignty over our lives. We acknowledge that you made us, you gave us breath, and the last breath we, we have what is yours. You give and you take away. And Father, we acknowledge that we're just clay. And I pray, Father, that every one of us, you would help us, oh God, to be soft and yielded and moldable in your hands. God, there's so many today who resist you and kick against you and fight you and ignore you and forsake you. Hardened clay. But oh God, help us to just give ourselves to you sacrificially and fully that you can take us in all of our mess and all of our failures. That you can take us and in your amazing grace, you can make us something for your glory and honor. And so, Father, just, just keep working on us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks, in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this sermon from New Life Ministry. We pray that God has spoken to you through it. For more about New Life Ministry, including other sermons, videos, and service times, please visit our website at www.nlmky.org.